honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. East season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, being a 12 plus 6 here. Carson Edwards top rookie, I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a Brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvey Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard. I call myself a professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the legend. These are all things he calls himself, Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, and special guest joining us today to preview the Celtics Eastern Conference Finals series against the Miami Heat, uh, Athletic NBA show host of Nerder She Wrote, and also on Basketball Buds and uh, everything else on the Athletic NBA. Basket uh, Buds, you get this wrong every time. Basket Buds doesn't flow. It's a bad name. I actually thought it was Basketball Buds. Is it Basket Buds? It's just Basket Buds. It should be called Basketball Buds. Basket Buds. Buds. Or Buds. I'll just say it's Buds. But that voice you hear, you guys should recognize it by now. Uh, that's uh, Dave Dufour, who also, I think the last time he was on the podcast, said he was the most entertaining man in podcasting. And so you guys are in for a treat as we uh, preview um, uh, Celtics Heat coming up uh, starting on Tuesday night after the Celtics barely survive. Early uh, Tuesday night. Thank you, Nuggets. Early tip. <laughs> thank, thanks to the Nuggets. Two consecutive comebacks. I was fired up. That's just the beat reporter just like wants to be early. Now you have more time to file a story. I guess that's better. But before we started recording, Jay said something interesting to me. And I believe the direct quote was, I think the heat suck. And so, (laughs) Jay, (laughs) good Lord, I'm supposed to be the uh, objective, non-objective one, the partisan Celtics fan. Uh, Please explain yourself. First of all, my next line was the heat don't actually suck. But it's true. He did say this. <laughs> I don't think they're as good as people think they are right now. I think the Bucks series was the perfect matchup for them. I don't think the Celtics are at all a perfect matchup for them. I think the Celtics will be more equipped to handle the three-point shooters. I think their defensive efficiencies will matter a lot more when Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Goran Dragic are not guarding Dante DiVincenzo and shit. <laughs> uh, uh, Kyle Corver. West Matthews. Guard. Who, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think I'm not sure the Heat can guard the Celtics is, is my thing. I think the Celtics have too many threats. That's what I keep coming back to as I think about this series. Dave, you know the Heat well. You you I, do I? I you, mean, yes, I know him as well as I know every other team. But you 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 wrote in your story that you were coming around to them as a title favorite. Please explain to me what I'm missing okay. about the Miami Heat. All right, so here I, I just think that um, this is an extremely unpredictable playoff. Yeah, every like all, everything we think we knew gom- coming in, like it just hasn't worked out that way, and. As far as I'm concerned, it's anyone's championship at this point. You there is a there's a plausible path for all of the remaining teams to actually win the title. And I'm including the Nuggets in there too. And I know it sounds so crazy, but it, it's just this is such a fluky environment that I don't think we can write anybody off. And in particular the well-coached teams. You know, I, this was one of my things coming into the bubble that I actually expected good coaches to provide even more value to their teams and the coaches that are, you know, doing a poor job of managing stuff. Mike Budenholzer got exposed (laughs) like more so than I think they would have under normal circumstances. I think the bubble has exaggerated a lot of things in particular, poor defense, right? Good defense is really standing out because there's so much just, obvious poor defense being played but also the the basic offensive stuff 
that a lot of teams are doing is just, I mean, obviously we already know that doesn't work in the playoffs typically, but to this year, talent isn't even necessarily winning out. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the league, and we saw Miami neutralize him you know, with stuff that he sees during the regular season and somehow deals with. So I, I think that um, to write off any team would be foolish, in particular a team that has Eric Spolster as a head coach. You know? But what, what specifically, I guess, about Miami you think they can kind of exploit against the Celtics? Because I'm well, that's when- the tough one. Right. That you just mentioning just Yeah, you mentioned how like much good defense is standing out. I think the Celtics just played their a great series and they're playing phenomenal defense. And uh I'm just seeing like I know the Miami kicked their ass in the seeding game without Jimmy Butler, but it just feels like the Celtics have a top five defense in this league and the Heat have uh they did some things. I don't know if we can really compare uh, the regular season matchups, because that was before they got Crowder and Iguodala. And like those guys are solid and make the heat, I guess, more switchable, more versatile. But they still have guys on the court who, if they want to switch everything, like it's basically the three white guys. It just that's the way I've organized it in my head. But those guys are the people you can attack uh, <laughs> defensively. And like very similar cliche, to the Milwaukee it? Bucks. It's really similar, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say that you know what uh, Duncan Robinson does a better job defending in their and he's scheme. tall, yeah, and he's big. He does a better job than he'll get credit for. I think the biggest thing with with Robinson is how much energy he expends on the offensive end, running off screens and things like that. And so you know when they try to find a way to hide him defensively, I think it's more for for that other end the energy that he. I mean that guy is moving. Um, it's a lot of, very Reggie Miller. Rip Hamilton esque the way he's running off these screens. Shooters so, are always in the best shape. Every yeah, single one of them. They have to be. Exactly. I mean, JJ Reddick, they talk about that all the time with him. And so I think that when they're hiding him, it's more of an energy conservation thing than than anything else. Um, he does okay. Tyler Hero is is okay. Like none of them I mean, Drogic is not okay on defense, but you know, at the same time, like he's such a plus on the other end that you gotta worry about him. I don't think Miami can guard boston i think they boston just has too many playmakers and if gordon's back and healthy that's another guy i mean at this point who are you going to take away you know we saw nick nurse go to the box and one to take away kemba and okay so now you got to stop jason tatum and marcus smart and jalen can attack a closeout so it's not like he's just a guy who's a static player who will stand in the corner and jalen also puts extra pressure on the defense because he's able to to take semi-transition and actually get to the cup so when he's doing that he's got these guys backpedaling miami's transition defense is pretty good um but it's i don't think it's good enough to do that to stop what he's so great at game in and game out and so you know, when you have a team like Boston, whose best player on any given night could be one of four or five guys, that's just really tough to stop. And for Miami, this is just simplifying the whole thing. Miami has two guys, right, that are going to be the best player for them in this series. It's going to be Jimmy Butler or it's going to be Goran Dragic. For all the not you know, Bam. Well, Bam is disregarding great, but, Bam, but Bam doesn't take over the games the way that those guys can, and that's what I mean. Bam could very well have a great series. But what, 15 points, 15 rebounds, I mean, which is fantastic, but that is not a dominant performance. Jimmy Butler could average 30, 35 in this series, and if he does that, Miami's got a shot. But I, I think that just Boston just has better personnel. They've got more talent. Now, I felt this way about the Bucks too. Uh, I, <laughs> I think Boston's scheme is better, and the fact that Brad has been flexible with his scheme, and these guys are actually ready for playoff defense, more than playoff offense. Forget that part. I'm just saying defensively, I think this is the best defensive team left in the playoffs. They've been really, really good. They're not going to have the advantage of playing a weak half-court offense like they did against Toronto. But with that being said, I think that Boston has the personnel to make Miami struggle. If Goran's not absolutely scorching hot like he has been, Miami doesn't really stand a chance. Ooh. They have to punish He's him. He's on the Miami suck train, too. I don't think they suck. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't I mean, think they you know, suck I don't either. think you get to the conference finals if you suck. But I do think that that this is a team that's still a guy away from, from getting to that, that next level. This doesn't mean that they can't catch Boston sleeping. They certainly we, can. We might look so bad again 
We we look so bad after oh. we just slandered the Heat you know before what, the man? Bucks series. I I try not to even think about this. I'm a shooter, man. So uh, <laughs> I, here's what I had going into the Bucks Heat series. I have you know this team that was like the best defense in the league and one of the three or four best offenses in the league most of the season, uh, with the best player in basketball with Brooke Lopez, uh, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, and Giannis, all of whom could potentially have had a case for all NBA. And I, I know they got three of those guys on there, but Chris was pretty good too. Um, it was just, they just didn't have the athletes. And, and I discounted that in this series. Miami's got the athletes, but Boston's just got more of them. Boston. I mean, Boston could throw guys that are like, you know, the 10th or 11th guy on their bench and they would be, you know, the third best athlete on the Milwaukee bucks. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's just true. They're true. younger. They're younger. They've got more pop. Shemi DiVincenzo. Yeah. I mean, you're telling me Shemi Ojale wouldn't get legitimate rotation minutes for the Milwaukee Bucks? I think he would. I mean, if the Celtics, hopefully he's not getting legitimate rotation minutes for the Boston Celtics because if Gordon Hayward comes back and it, I don't know, Jay, if you're more plugged into this, but Brad spoke today. He's never going to say when Gordon Hayward's coming back because he hates any sort of transparency with regards to that, but he was warming up before game seven. Uh, he finally got out of quarantine. So can actually like run and make cuts. Uh, it's just going to be a huge impact because the Celtics just had this like rock fight of a series where they basically got by with their top five guys. And as much as there was some times where Grant Williams made big plays or Brad Wanamaker knocked down some big shots, if they can just have, those minutes go to a semi-competent Gordon Hayward. Uh, he doesn't even have to be like fully there athletically, but just in terms of like making the right decisions and a guy who can knock down threes, that just changes the offensive firepower of the Celtics where basically they don't have to rely on, they can keep, basically keep two scores in the game at all time, um, which is huge for them because there were definitely stretches in that Toronto series when either Kemba was on the bench or Tatum was on the bench and the Celtics really struggled to score. Well, Let's ask what, this question. Well, hold Should on, Marcus Smart stay? Oh, go ahead. Wait, so Gordon Hayward is so effective as a side pick and roll guy. And Miami, in that Bucks series, when when Chris Middleton started getting going, they were running some side pick and roll for him. So, like, there there is, like... There are holes in that defense that Gordon Hayward in particular is very well suited to take advantage of, but also it gives them six and maybe seven of the top 10 guys in the series. Like that shit matters. Like having talent matters so much. And and I just think Gordon coming back and being able to play and play well, which, you know, Boston's going to, you know, treat this, you know, with, with kids gloves, I'm assuming, but if he can come back and be ready to go, I mean, that's, that's a huge lift for them. And it's on both ends too, because he's a big body, and like I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be switching a lot of stuff, especially away from the ball. And so you're just not worried if he gets caught on a switch inside against you know Bam or someone like that or Kelly Olynyk. Um, you know that that's the thing. I just don't think Boston's going to have that much trouble matching up with Miami. And then on the converse, I think it could get a little bit hairy fast. You know, they don't have a Marcus Smart that they could throw out there instead of Goran Dragic, where the defense is elevated and the offense is still pretty good. Do, do you guys think that the Celtics should absolutely 100% put Gordon Hayward back in the starting lineup or think about leaving Smart in there? Hell no. You leave Marcus Smart in there. This team struggles with to start games. They struggle in third quarters. I just think as like an energy setting guy, Marcus Smart comes in and sets the tone and there's just mm-hmm. like a mentality that he gives the team. Also, if you're working Gordon Hayward back into the lineup, you don't know how like well his ankle is going to respond. You can just bring him off the bench in spurts. I just think it's you have some sort of flow going into this where, you know, like the starting lineup and just I think Marcus has too much energy right now where you don't want to. I don't know. I just don't want to like if I want to set the tone and start the game, I want Marcus Smart making crazy plays uh to kind of like create the energy for the rest of the game. I think Gordon also gives you more lineup flexibility because he's so big, but can play small, you know, like he can play, you know, you can slot him on a, on a two guard yeah. and it's not ideal, but he can do it. Now, hopefully he's not chasing around Duncan Robinson. I think that's probably going to wind up being Jalen, which is going to be tough for Duncan Robinson to get loose. I mean, Jalen's so good at staying connected, especially coming over, over the top of DHOs and stuff like that. But with Gordon, you know, I mean, maybe he guards Bam quite a bit. I, I'm not sure how they're going to play it. I, I know that they're going to want to keep Tice back uh, near the basket. He's not going to guard Bam at all outside of the free throw line. That's the number one thing Miami has to get over. How are they going to deal 
with the Celtics completely ignoring two of their best players anytime they're beyond 16, 18 feet. Just not even looking at them. If if Jimmy Butler launches 12 to 14 threes a game, and that's a win. Hits, that's a win for Boston. And, you know, I, I think with Bam, you know, he's not going to shoot him. So he just can sometimes cause that offense to stall. And in particular, because of the length and quickness where you've got Jalen and, and Jason Tatum, you know, who are going to be guarding their shooters quite a bit. I, I just I think it's going to just be tough for, for Miami to to score, to be honest with you. I can they really Boston's drop good. Ba- like off Bam that much? It's just with like the kind of the way he, the chemistry he has with Duncan Robinson and Hero, like if he's setting picks on at the top and like those shooters are getting free, like I feel like you need some sort of something to slow them down. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because uh, I think a lot of the, our analysis about the Celtics is like talking about their backup bigs and like, how are they, how are they going to do with bigs? Like Miami doesn't have like traditional bigs. Bam is like Myers Leonard is probably never going to hit the floor of the series. And so I feel like the big discussion matters a lot less, um, but it's, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of match up Tice. And it's possible this is something we've been talking about all year and we kind of got robbed of it because uh, Hayward uh, messed up his ankle. But is it is it possible that they go to the best five lineup where pay, I think is that Jason Tatum your center then? You Not put when him Bam's on Bam? in there. Yeah, you can't ba- do it. He's too big. And, and he's so versatile. Like he can guard you and you can't guard him. Right. Like the Celtics did that again in the seeding game against Bam and Bam had like 10 points in a minute. It was he was just trampling all over them. I think I think it's doable against like a Kelly Olynyk if he's playing center with the backups though. Throw those guys out oh, there. Oh yeah, I would actually throw. I I, I would have Hayward guarding Olynyk. If Bam's not out there, I, that's what I would run. Uh, again, another competent guy, and and Hayward can work the advantage on the other end too because Olynyk can't stay in front of him. You know, honestly, like it's a great and even if you get a cross match where they're not guarding Hayward with Olynyk. There, there's still quite a bit of advantage to play there. Um, but, the, you know, the big matchup, I, I think Tice and Bam is is going to determine the series, to be honest with you. Their rim protection, respectively, is going to be the difference maker for, for either one of these teams. Tice is about to have a coming out party because people... Oh, he's been out. But, <laughs> no, no, but people, like, nationally, people are going to see, oh, crap, well, that's Bam out of bio. We know him. Who's this guy? I mean, there are people still don't know how to pronounce his name, which, you know. Shaq pretends he doesn't know his name. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, so he's going to have a coming out party, man. He was huge in, in that uh, double OT game, man. Like, as soon as overtime hit, they really started working to him, and he's so good about floating into space offensively when a play breaks down. So he can actually get to the basket. Like, he's getting dunks off of broken plays because he's so smart. And I think that, you know, with Bam – He's gonna he's gonna have to be a step ahead of Tice and, and vice versa. Tice is gonna have to those Bam DHOs are lethal, and Tice is gonna have to know how to navigate those. It's gonna take a lot of communication between him and Jalen and Jason to to keep those shooters from from just you know walking into wide open shots. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on the Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, "Everybody." Yeah, hydrate your body. Yeah, everybody, hydrate your body right. Hydration's back, all right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon lime, put it in my water, and I get that energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com 
and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Yeah, this Miami offense is by far the best offense the Celtics have played in the playoffs. Like, the Sixers were broken. The Raptors didn't have enough. This Miami offense in the half court, with all the cutting they do, with all the shooting they have, with Butler and Adebayo as as the conductors of everything, they're tough. And if you if you make a mistake, the bam, Duncan Robinson hit a three, or or bam, Jimmy Butler gets a free throw, or or bam, bam goes for a dunk. <laughs> Get that? I was I, I was said that up the whole like, time, and then bam, just got it. Um, fucking Mike Breen, <laughs> but but I I think I think it's gonna be big. Obviously Hayward's presence is is big. I think it might even be bigger in this series because we talk about how there's there's no place for the Duncan Robinsons and the heroes to hide. Well, there is against Boston's bench, and if Wanamaker's playing, if Ojale's playing, if Grant Williams is playing, then th- those are those are spots where the weak links in Miami's defense and they do have weak links they they can they can hold up there so Hayward is really really important in this series because I I do think like Toronto didn't have any weak links this this Miami team has a few guys that you can actually target and actually pick on a little bit so that Hayward is just it's huge Especially with how much uh, zone the Heat run, that's something we saw in the regular season, and it like took the Celtics. I know we can't compare it, but it's still like the uh, something that the Celtics dealt with, and it took them like the whole. I'm trying to remember that game, Jay, when we were in Miami. Yeah, Stephen said at halftime he had to like change up the whole offense because the Heat were just running some weird zone. With I think it was it was so long ago. It was Jimmy Butler and. Uh, and James Johnson, they were oh, up yeah. top, and it was like Kendrick Nunn and Goran Dragic were down low. It was such a weird zone that they – it was like an inverted zone almost. But basically, they they beat it by sending Gordon Hayward to the middle of it and having to make the right decisions. It feels high like – High school basketball, man. Right? Like, I, I'm always And no shocked. one that looks better at high school basketball than Gordon Hayward. Hayward, man. <laughs> Mr. Indiana. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's always amazing to me when I watch these NBA teams kind of struggle with the zone, and it's just like, man, you just got to get to the middle. Get to the nail – make a play from there, right? Like you already have guys standing in the corner. Now, when you get the ball into the nail, you got to put the pressure on the defense by cutting from the corner, daring the defense to, to come to the ball, basically. Or you've got that little free throw line jump shot. And, and I think that, again, Gordon Hayward, kind of perfect for, for the zone busting um, with his size and, and passing ability and, and the fact that he can shoot that little mid-range jumper. So I, I, I think it's just tough for Miami. And, and the thing is... Miami's really good. I just don't think that they're quite good enough. I still feel like they're one bigger piece away from being a legitimate finals team, but I, I can't count them out. Like I've just watching the playoff series that we've seen so far, it is just impossible for me to say with any sort of certainty that X player is going to perform this way. And, you know, like no one is doing what we expect out of them, except for, you know, maybe Kawhi. Except for playoff Ronda. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I mean, but it's just I feel like this playoffs has been pretty unpredictable to to a large degree. It's it's been interesting. Like I'm I'm really enjoying it. You guys ready for a real a real good talking head question? Oh, is there any reason to be concerned about Kemba Walker heading into this series? Uh, nope, no. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you answered that well. I mean, he did like they clearly schemed against him. I think he has the opportunity to really abuse Goran Dragic if they like he Dragic is so good on the offensive end, but he's definitely someone that uh, I feel like the Celtics can attack and Kemba specifically. Will Dragic um, even guard him? I bet it will be Jimmy. And then who do you put on Tatum? And then who do you put on Jalen? And I that, think like, they're gonna. I think they're gonna put Jay Crowder on Jalen, and just you know, hope that he's more static and that Jalen, uh, Jay's big body can kind of stay in the way of Jalen. I think that's a mismatch. Bam on Tatum. Potentially, but like, they're going to have to find a way to guard Tice. That's the thing is like having a true five out offense, the way they do 
but with a guy who can operate inside like Tice can. I we're about to to essentially arrive at Tice being the most underrated player in the NBA. I think because Ooh. well, he's just like he's extremely versatile. He's a fantastic defender. Just keep uh, talking. You're speaking my language right now. He he's a good he's a good <laughs> passer. He's great in a DHO. Like he just does so many things so well. Like there's a reason why Boston had a top four offense and a top four defense. And I'm not saying it's all Tice. Clearly, it's not. But he was a big contributor to that. And so you know this idea that that they should be looking for a big and all this stuff in the offseason. Well, maybe, maybe. But I think Tice might just be the guy. And and so I think that. He's going to be pivotal to this series and and almost impossible to guard. I don't know who they guard him with. I love I love that claim that Daniel Tice, he of the eight or nine points a game, is impossible to guard. But who are you going to guard? But if you put Bam on Tatum, yeah. like who in their starting lineup are you putting on Daniel Tice? And it's not like they're going to run post ups for him. But Mart, like we saw sometimes in the series when the Raptors went small, like Tice got a number of alley oops, just like some penetration and just lob it up. There's and, nowhere it- to hide. Like, who is Goran Dragic going to guard? Kemba Walker? Great. They'll run Kemba Walker all over the offense trying to wear down Dragic. I mean, like, Stevens, Brad Stevens is too smart of a coach for you to stick a guy like Dragic on Kemba Walker who can, you know, get out there and just move around a lot and really just wear him down. And and he's so important for them offensively that it would be, you know, they essentially would be suicide to put – Dragic on Kemba Walker. But where do you put Dragic? Marcus Smart. And then I feel like you run a lot of pick and rolls and Marcus Smart's like a pretty good pick and roll decision maker and just Mm -hmm. gets him on his back. And the thing I'm looking at the Heat's lineup right now, and this is not doing anything good for my psyche because I have like, I'm just being buying all the Celtics hype right now. I'm ready to go Celtics in four of the prediction, but are this Heat good rebounding team? Because they are very, very small. And that's something that the Celtics are normally kind of having to do the gang rebounding, going up against much bigger teams. They're quite small. Um, is it an opportunity? I Like, you can't put Ennis Cantor in the game if Goran Dragic's in the game, but is there, like... I don't who, think you can put Cantor in this series. The DHOs are too is it, dangerous. So then it's a Time Lord series? Because there they're still going to have to play some backup big men. I think it's a Grant, Grant I, series. I think it's going to be Grant and Time Lord. But Time Lord is... He's going to have to do... Like, if he's playing well, you can ride him. And if he's not, you can just got to pull him fast because Miami is not going to like, they're going to capitalize on the mistakes that he tends to make, you know, he's going to make some mistakes. Five ball turnovers are going to be huge. Just like they were in the last series. I mean, Toronto early on in the series could not create live ball turnovers, which is a key to them scoring points all uh, during the regular season. Well, Miami is very good at generating these live ball turnovers. And so with, with Robert Williams, you have to be so careful about that uh, where he has those lapses or, or, you know, tries a pass that it's cool that he can see that pass, but he just can't quite make it yet. I, that's an issue. So if he's out there really uh, giving you the vertical spacing, which he can do against that team, even against Bam. I mean, you know, Robert Williams is such a fantastic athlete that that Bam can't neutralize what he can do as a as a lob threat. Um, but if he does, great, because now that means he's actually used his gravity for the good of the offense. So. I think you're going to have to play Robert Williams, but I, I also expect a lot of Grant Williams, just guys that don't make mistakes. I, I actually think – I actually yeah, I think not making mistakes is so huge against Miami because they really do. They, they run their stuff so well, and they're always on the move. If you fall asleep for a second, bam, bam, oh. back, back cut. You know, if, if, <laughs> this motherfucker. Did you guys see Cam? <laughs> you guys saw Cam's shoes, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah, the bam shoes? Yeah, I need a pair. I, the, that outfit was incredible. I what love what it, man. the the he looked like the man in the yellow hat from he Curious landed George. on Plymouth Rock <laughs> today. <I think. laughs> that was a, that was a wild wild fit. And hey, one and all, undefeated with the Patriots. I'm not sure they'll ever lose with Cam. Now here's the big question that everyone's talking about: is what game is Kelly Olynyk going to score 25 points in? Because you know it's coming. You know he's just absolutely going to punish the Celtics. I can feel him and Jay Crowder combining for like eight of ten from three. But I guess the real question is: the the Heat's bench is pretty thin. Like, are they really relying pretty on thin? Andre? I think they have like they a have pretty Tyler good Hero, Kelly Olynyk, Iguodala, like Derek Jones Jr. I, I know he can jump, but. He's not like the most I, effective. Kendrick Nunn is their basically bet only guy to come off the bench and be a ball handler. I he's just not going to play. 
Like, I think that's like, I Kelly Olynyk is a solid player. Tyler Hero is a like, has onions on him and will knock down shots. But like, I don't know. I'm just not that intimidated by uh, kind of those players. They're like they're solid talent, like talent wise. They're it's just they're not great to me. I think they really to me have like seven guys. And they're going to be playing those guys big minutes. I, I don't think Kendrick Nunn's going to really play in the series very much. He's not very good, you know, <laughs> which is a problem, right? And I mean, he lost his starting job for a reason, but but also he just hasn't performed well even coming off the bench. I mean, he, he didn't really play all that much in the series against the Bucks, and and I think that this series is probably a worse matchup for him. And I don't expect him to play much at all, at least in the competitive portions of the game. You know, maybe he'll get minutes in a blowout if there is one, but I don't expect him to have any impact whatsoever on the series. (laughs) I love that take. None. The impact will be none. None. God damn it, Jay. (laughs) You're on one today, and it's just. uh... I I don't know why I'm making these (laughs) awful fucking jokes today. But they are awful. Um, but if if none's not going to play, that basically is like you're playing Dragic, the Dragon, thirty five minutes a game. Like it's really, or yeah. if not more, forty. He has the ability to just kill the Celtics on the offensive end, and it's whether or not they can punish him um, on the defensive end. But like, yeah, just looking at their bench, it doesn't seem Andre Iguodala is old and doesn't really do anything for him. I don't know. I just think that the Celtics should have the advantage, especially if Gordon Hayward comes back um, and just gives the Celtics like that much more depth where you get no Shemi Ojale stints. Brad Wanamaker only probably plays like 10 minutes a game. Like it just, it seems like the Celtics have higher end talent and then more, just more depth. Like I think we should, you mentioned earlier, they have the top 10 players in the series. This is, uh, this is something we did uh, before the Raptors series. It's a fun game. Before we get to the top 10, I just need to talk about Andre Iguodala for a second. That man has the greatest hands of all time. They're incredible. He he will be able to play NBA defense as long as he wants to because he swipes down without fouling and just hits the ball away from people. This series, there are going to be at least like five or six times when he knocks it away from Tatum or Brown and Celtics fans are going to be so annoyed. I hope you guys are really ready for, for the Griftathon. Because that's what more so than Lowry be. versus Smart. <laughs> Lowry versus Smart was the ultimate craft of thought. Goran Dragic versus Marcus Smart is like that's the championship level grifting. <laughs> no offense know, to Kyle bro. Lowry, but Goran, I mean, I I'm telling you guys, it's gonna be people are gonna hate Goran Dragic by the time this is over. Oh, they already do. Um, and or at least I do. Already I did, I do, but like he's going to be the guy who is on the other team who's you hate him but you respect him. He's going to do the Kyle Lowry role. Uh, but yeah, he's I don't know, I guess we'll we'll figure out when we do this exercise, but let's do it. Let's rank the top 10 players in the series. Last time we uh we you know, because we we're too scared of making too hot takes cuz we got middleman Jay over here. We we created tiers. Uh, but um, number one guy, I think I, is obvious, for at least to me, is Jason Tatum. Thoughts? Can I lock him in at number one? Um, I mean, it's it's him or Jimmy Butler, and I, you know, probably leaning Jimmy. To be honest with you. Ooh, um, Jay, yeah. your thoughts? Why Jimmy? Well, I know Jimmy can do it at this level, right? Um, and it's it's really like the first time. Tatum has been in the role that he's in that they've that they've been playing on this stage, right? So it's more just a known quantity versus a, you know, can he do it? I expect him to be good and I expect him to be fine, right? Like I don't expect him to have any issues, but I know Jimmy is going to do it. So it's just I need to see it. But I they're in the same tier to me if that yeah. makes sense. See, I I'm not sure Jimmy is what people think he is. Like, go on. I don't think he's quite as devastating as people think he is. Like, he's really damn good. Don't he get me wrong. He dictates pace, though. He dictates pace. And I think if if Jimmy does have an edge, it might be in, like, the fourth quarter when points are tough and he can be really physical and get to what he wants. And Tatum, I'm not sure he'll do that every single play. And, I mean, and we so thought I, he couldn't. Tatum struggled to do that uh, 
late in games against the Raptors. It's partly because the Raptors had some really good defenders, but Tatum didn't ever like take over the game and just like get to his spot and knock down shots. I think that's like Jimmy Butler's greatest star quality. I think it's limiting with Jimmy Butler is his lack of three point shooting um, and just, but they're both very good. I would, I would put them in the same tier. Obviously I'm biased. I think Tatum's better, but I agree with you, Jay, that he's like, I think he gets a lot of credit for showing up like in the big moments, but I also think the Celtics have the best kind of wing defenders in the league and they, they are, prepared better than anyone to kind of if Jimmy Butler wants to go one-on-one to take on a game like right throw smart throw Jalen throw even Tatum at him like that's I'm fine with that well I'm not and that's the thing it's a bad matchup in general because of the wing defense that that Boston has and but I I still I I think just Jimmy and knowing what you're going to get out of a guy like Jimmy is important And, and Tatum I expect a lot out of him I just need to see it and that's it you know I mean he's been great I actually think Jason Tatum it's not a hot take to say they could win a title this year and it's because of Jason Tatum. Right. Especially his playmaking and his passing is just like, if they're going to, how about his defense? The guy, the guy like as a two way player is legitimately an all NBA caliber, all NBA defensive caliber basketball player. And he could be the best player on a championship team. I mean, he's like a tier, you know, tier two guy to me. Um, but franchise cornerstone level, best player on championship team, capable player. I just need to see it against Jimmy, right? It it's weird because I never thought Tatum really played great in that Raptors series. Nope. And now it's like he's averaging twenty five points and eleven rebounds throughout the playoffs and four assists, which is on the high end for him. And it ended up with like twenty nine and twelve in game seven. Which With was just, just kind of manufacturing his points rather than getting them easy. And I think the right. Raptors, the Raptors really make you work for points. And I think that was a big step for Tatum. Like it wasn't the step back threes, like when he was making it look easy, like he had to dig deep for those points. And I don't think he's always done that. So I, I thought that was a big step for him. And now he has got to do it, obviously, against against Butler and against you know, a, a Heat team and kick yeah. the shit out of the box. I, I know I've they I've did. I've kind of talked a lot of sh- shit about the Heat. This is the second straight round I've talked shit about the Heat, but they kicked the shit out of the box. Like they stomped on the box. They had no issues with the box. Really, it's just transitive property. You're talking shit about the box here because, like, the Heat were just absolutely destroyed them. And really all the shit beat should just be given to the bucks for not adjusting and not having the athletes, but, but you still have to kick the shit out of the top team. Oh, they in, did it. He in the conference. He like last year, the Celtics had a lot of the same advantages or should have had a lot of the same advantages that, that the heat did in that series. And they got pile drived. By well, the Bucks. I just mentioned culture and the Celtics culture last year was quite toxic. And you could argue <laughs> that your best player was actively working against he, them. He fucking quit. I've never seen a player quit that obviously in a in a playoff game. I mean, he just didn't walk over half court for a or he and, or he uh, just still a lot like burned into my brain is multiple possessions where he called said he was going to defend Giannis. Um which is just absolutely insane. He did it over and over again, but we've gotten off topic. Okay. I will say top tier one and two. I'm putting Jason Tatum one because it's my goddamn podcast, but next tier, I would say it's next um, tier or no, no, no. I would say oh. those two guys in the top tier and then okay. we're going Hold on. I just want to say about Butler going to be huge to stay out of foul trouble against him for He's as long as the line, especially as long as Hayward is out. Right, because the Boston depth dries up on the perimeter, and if if Jalen Brown's getting in foul trouble guarding Jimmy Butler, or if one of their Sorry. other wings is getting in foul trouble, then that's a big deal. And Jimmy this year was as good at drawing fouls as anybody. Yeah. He, well, he added like shot. So his shooting just dropped off the face of the earth. He stopped except shooting. when he needs it. He stopped shooting until the playoffs. And he, even then the the volume really isn't there, but he just stopped shooting jump shots during the regular season completely. And he made up for it by just, you know, getting to the line every 
fucking game. Like he's going to he's going to go to the line in this series. He's probably going to average 9 or 10 free throws a game. That's just who he is. So it's baked it's got to be baked into whatever you're doing. And this is why I actually think that the way to beat Miami for for Boston is going to be Play the hell out of those other guys. You can't let anyone else beat you. Let Jimmy get. If, if, if Jimmy can get 50, you tip your cap and you say, all right, well, we got to win the next one. But you got to make it Jimmy Butler trying to beat you with jump shots. That's what you want. Now, he's not going to try to do that. <laughs> he's going to try to avoid that. But at the end of the day, Boston's defense is uniquely positioned and designed to be able to take away all those open threes and still protect the basket. And so it's going to come down to who can hit those mid-range jump shots effectively. And I just don't trust Jimmy to do it as much as I trust Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker. The one thing you mentioned about fouling is that we talked about how important Tice will be. Tice, the war on Tice is is real, folks. Uh, He does not get a great whistle, partly because he's a very physical defender and he, he forced that situation. With how much Jimmy's going to be attacking the basket, if Tice gets in foul trouble, then you basically have a lot of Grant Williams, and so and then he's going to foul. You know that. that man, you know, like he really has a problem not bringing his arms down. Like, give him credit for the final sequence in Game Seven, but like, man, that's not a like great. Uh, so that's a bit concerning, just in terms of uh, you know, just Tice has gotten in foul trouble all year, and so it's something to to look out for, but. Jay, any more interruptions before we get to the second tier? No more interruptions. All right. I would say, and uh, can I get a second, that this second tier is some combination, I don't know what order, of Kemba and uh, Bam. Any objections? Anyone we should add to that tier? I think I think Kemba I think, in I think this. Smart. Yeah, smart, smart, smart might have played his way up a tier after that last year. Honestly, period. I think Smart and Jalen. Ooh, I'm supposed to be the Celtics homer here. I thought I was being. Oh, a- well, I'm a I'm an unabashed Jalen homer, and not even a Celtics fan at all. But you know, um, I, I love Jalen Brown. I think he's been fantastic during this entire playoffs. He, oh, you know, he has been a great example of a guy just doing what you need him to do. Like the game where he had 18 shots in the first half, they were open, right? Like he's doing his job and, and being aggressive, and he created a lot for them by doing that. So. Yeah, I actually think that, and this is where I, I think Boston has that huge edge. They just have so many guys that are really good, and Miami doesn't. And I know that's a simplified way to say it, but that's just the truth. They've just got more overall talent in their rotation. And Marcus Smart, just with the way he play is playing defense and his ability to not be a horrific three-point shooter, like just the value he adds there and just – we saw all the intangible things, but the actual he's he scored a lot of points. And that a lot was because the Raptors were basically wanted uh, Jalen and Smart to take those threes. And so they did. And sometimes they like went in and that's when the Celtics won. And when they didn't, that's when the Celtics lost. But Smart is like a more than capable offensive player now. He's not just a defense only guy, intangible only guy. And so I I have no qualms giving praise to Marcus Smart and putting him on the same level. That being said, like just in my gut, I feel like. Bam and Kemba are still just like a, a tier above Jalen and like nothing against Jalen and Marcus Smart, but I just think there's some like a star quality to like Bam and Kemba where they can have more control over the game than uh, I think Jalen and Smart can. So I would argue no one has more control over a basketball game than Marcus Smart. I am. I'm, 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 I can't I'm kidding. I'm kidding completely. <laughs> you I, that you dumbfounded me there. I was just no. Like, I, I, am I, I slandering Marcus Smart? Have I yeah, done something you are. wrong? You are. Um, no, I think I just think Marcus Smart is is really good. I'd put him right there with Kemba. I actually think Marcus Smart has been. You know, obviously he's been better than Kemba in the playoffs. I don't think that that's a hot take. I, yeah, I but but he what he brings on both ends matters so much, man. But, but he, he had so much success point. offensively. A lot because they went or they were selling out to stop Kemba, like those pick and rolls sure. he's running, those threes he gets. There, that was all so much easier because they were playing a box and one on Kemba. Mm-hmm. And but I, Marcus, his development has been crazy. Like if if someone had played that defense three years ago, he probably would have gone like I don't know three for fourteen. 
and and had five turnovers and never been able to beat a switch. Yeah. And now he's beating switches and doing all that stuff that he, he's just gotten a lot better. He's good. He's really good. I mean, I love him and I trust him. What can I say? Um, so we have the, the top six guys. Who Who's the ne- seventh best player in the series? Is it Daniel Tice at this point? I, like, at what point do we get to another Miami Heat player? Well, that's the that's the trick, right? I think it's – I mean, we got Goron just behind in that next group. Yeah, Goron's got to be there. And then I think, like you said, Tice is probably alone on an island as, as the guy just below Goron and Jalen and, and Smart. And hell, man, then what? And we haven't even gotten to Gordon Hayward. I mean, yet. Gordon Hayward, it, it, with him, he could be up there in that. He could be in that Kemba level for a game or two, but no worse than the Jalen Brown Goron level. And so, you know, it, it, again, it's just they've got so much talent. It, it's just hard for me to to think when you've got this much talent who has performed well, right? Like the indicators are all extremely positive for Boston, and they have a really good coach who to me is probably one of the best defensive coaches to ever coach in the NBA. Like when you look at his track record, it just, I mean, it speaks to that and it's the playoffs where defense really shows up. Like if you've got defensive flaws, they, they show up. And if you're really good at it, that also shows up. And I just think that they're just too much. Who's the next, next best player in the series, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. I was going to say, who is the heat yeah, Robinson best player? And is that player better than uh Brad Wanamaker? I would say I would give it to Duncan yeah. Robinson. I think he is, but I, Brad Wanamaker, very style, very solid, very sturdy. But uh, yeah, I think Duncan Robinson, he's also, uh, is he a rookie? I don't even remember time at this point. He's 24, Dun- but he's a rookie, but it's still like, do you trust him in the playoffs? Like if they, if, if, the Duncan Robinson is the guy like he needs to go off for multiple games. Trust for the his heat. shooting. Absolutely. Trust his defense. Right. Not exactly. But this is, I, I've had this this battle all year because I don't I don't trust young guys in the playoffs. But the Miami guys are different, man. Tyler Hero had an awful game against the Bucks, And then at the end of the game, it's like this guy has huge onions out here taking you know, if you got to deal with Jimmy all day at practice, playing right. in the playoffs is easier, man. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I just I can't count those guys as, you know, uh, negatives at all. Um, I do say I, I do think that Boston is just so uniquely qualified to be able to guard Duncan Robinson. I mean, if you look at the Pacers series and the way that they use Edmund Sumner against Duncan Robinson, imagine, you know, uh, it basically it's like six, five. Going up, upgrading to Jalen Brown, who's much bigger, much more physical, uh, healthier, longer, can jump higher. Like all of these things to guard Duncan Robinson coming off these screens and around these DHOs. And I just think it's a tougher task for Duncan Robinson to get free to to get some shots up. And that's going to hurt Miami. I look forward to Brad Stevens losing his shit on the sideline every time they leave Duncan Robinson open. That is going to be one of my favorite parts of this series because – Stevens has always, with the top, top shooters, just lost it when they leave those guys. Like Kyle Korver, if they gave him even a foot of separation, Stevens would just be beside himself, gosh darning on the sideline. I I can't wait to see them leave Duncan Robinson and just see the spit coming out of Brad (laughs) Stevens' mouth. The Kaizen master is going to lose his shit. I'm going to lose my shit at any time. Actually, Duncan Robinson expected anytime Kelly Olynyk or Jay Crowder hits a three pointer, um, I'm going to be upset uh, just because I'm irrational. But at this point, Crowder's Jay playing Cr- like he did in Boston. By the way, that that's is- what I was going to say. Is Jay Crowder more uh, reliable just because he can play both defense and offense than I guess Duncan Robinson? Like Duncan Robinson clearly has a higher ceiling and his shot is that much better. But Jay Crowder, you you don't like attack him on the defensive end. Like I would posit perhaps that he's like a much like a more reliable guy uh in terms of the fourth player on the uh heat than duncan robinson would be even though robinson i think has kind of more high-end talent in terms of scoring i i think that that's pretty accurate and jay crowder is playing like he's in boston it's funny like that that heavy ball movement offense like he's he's just a knockdown standstill spot up shooter and uh for some reason, I mean, he's shooting like what 50%, 55% or something from three in the playoffs. He's been insane, but again, it's a different ask when you're being guarded by the Celtics. And he's not a threat to attack closeout 
Like you're just not worried about that from him. So as long as you take away the shot, it's not a big deal. And they're never going to, you know, they're not going to help off on the strong side, which the, the bucks were being forced to do, which hurt them. And, and a little more if Miami's open, slander. But if Miami, <laughs> but if Miami is open, they're going to make those shots. I mean, they're a very good three point shooting team. I just don't expect them to get a lot of open shots. And for some reason, Brad Stevens has magic, and every time he's the coach, the opposing team shoots worse three-point percentage. And it's just been something that's unexplainable, but it has been a statistical trend for like the past four years. So hopefully the Celtics have that going for them because that is how I see the Heat winning this series is they're just going to have to shoot the lights out from three um, in basically every game that they win. And so hopefully the Celtics, at least from my perspective, have that going. I I basically through the past 45 minutes, you guys have talked me into a Celtics in five or at least maybe a Celtics sweep. I'm going to probably have to come down off my high horse here, um, but this has been fun for me. This has been a a great experience. I'm feeling good uh, closing out my weekend with this. And uh, Dave, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us. I appreciate you guys having me. I always love to do this show. I I, want to be uh, the unofficial third member of this podcast. That yeah yeah why not and yeah, we won't even get a the fourth. Oh, <laughs> what's funny is Jay and I are about to do another pod in like ten minutes. So uh, oh I know I think this is the where you guys get your takes out for about the series we refine them. This is part of the process and now Jay can start dog jumping out oh, licking Ooh, the mic licking oh. the mic. Jay can uh, clearly needs to take his dog out and I think that's our sign to go. But listen to. Uh, Jay and Dave on the basket buds, the buds, the basketball friends. It was once called the basketball, <laughs> it was basketball, basketball friends back in the day. Uh, that's on the Athletic NBA show. Subscribe to the Athletic NBA show where you can also hear Dave on Nerd or She Wrote on uh, Fridays. It's just a great podcast. Subscribe to our podcast if you already don't. We're going to be live after every single game uh, on Periscope. And if you like our podcast, give us five stars. Do all the things that podcast hosts tell you to do. And thank you for listening to this episode of... And I think it's part of